Welcome, welcome everyone to the Dominion Chronicles. Chapter 6 An Interesting Story The thunder and lightning shall collide, the skies will bend to their will and pride. Seventh stanza in the rulers of all, prophecy of the return. Muhammad thought of the town's wall as wall Maria from Attack on Titan and dreaded the thought of titans existing in this world. From his limited experience in magical worlds, Muhammad thought that if something like the ice creature or Berbran existed here, then why would the titan be here too? Because why the fuck not, Muhammad thought. And when he looked around, he noted that everyone seemed to be contemplating something, most probably the same thought. The trip to the town wasn't a bad one, since Muhammad spent most of it with one headphone plugged in, playing his Halsey collection. The moment they reached the town's wall, colors started, which Muhammad thought ironic. The walk through the icy calm forest was, a, was really good for Muhammad's nerves. He wasn't panicking like the rest, but he needed to think straight about what was happening around them. They were now in a world where magic was real. They were attacked by someone who clearly didn't want them here, so they must be in the right place, which was good. This Belimrando clearly knew who they were, and they clearly were someone important here, which boosted Muhammad's ego, despite the fact that being important meant he could be killed at any given moment. Muhammad wanted to share his thoughts with anyone, but shook his head at the mess his friends were in. Yuto hunched over the stretcher, patting Yusuf's head, who was still unconscious. Mariam and Gina were typing something on their phones, and he doubted they were texting anyone. Zena was looking around, and the remaining of his friends, Nadine, Yasser, and Layla, were inspecting the swords everyone was holding. Muhammad recollected what, hap what happened when the woman Nadim got angry had summoned her sword. He didn't blame her really, Nadim managed to get everyone angry. Noor was looking at her hand, which was clenching and unclenching. She looked around to see if someone was looking at her, but she didn't notice that Muhammad was intently eyeing her, wanting to know the source of the blue glow that came out of her hand back in the clearing. He was sure this wasn't some trick of the light. He was sure of what he saw. Everyone assumed Muhammad's head was in the clouds all the time, which was true. But Muhammad had the talent of noticing the tiniest of details in everything. And when Noor's hand glow, he knew that everyone was so focused on Yusuf they wouldn't even notice. But Muhammad did. When they walked through the, th the gates, Muhammad was amazed by how advanced the town was. The paved streets had blue street lamps with a hovering snowflake on top. The snowflake had a globe at its center that shone with the same light as the one inside the town's wall. Muhammad tilted his head and marched deeper into what seemed to be a marketplace of the town. The stores that lined the busy street were bakeries, spices shops, butchers, clothes shops, fabric shops, electronic shops, and even a shop that sold utensils. Muhammad took a deep breath and sighed at the amazing smell of freshly baked goods and spices mixes. Noor grinned and looked at Layla, who was looking around in amazement. It looks beautiful, doesn't it? Yeah, but Muhammad interfered turning to Bilirandu to find him leaning in on Barawan and whispering something in his ear. Muhammad fell into steps with Bilirandu and pointed at one of the electronics shops named The IC Connection. We buy, sell, replace and fix. Bilirandu, tell me more about the communication you have here, Muhammad said. And Bilirandu raised a brow. Uh, what do you mean? How do you usually communicate? Like, if you want to check in on someone, Muhammad asked. Ah, through the phone of course. How else? And Belimrandu brought out a phone that looked oddly like their own, with two cameras on the back, a huge touchscreen, and it even had face identification and a fingerprint. 
How do you communicate in your world? Through a phone. Muhammad voices trail off, examining William Randall's phone and comparing it to his own. Well then, that's odd. How did this world have phones? Didn't a guy called something Cooper brought wireless communication to life in their world? How did they even have it here? And if Muhammad was following this, the same logic, then they must have carriers, antennas, internet, utility poles, and... Wait, internet! They have internet here, which means they have search engines and browsers and... No more questions, slow down, leave questions for later, for now, enjoy the view, Muhammad thought. They walked further down the market district and people looked at them in astonishment, which Muhammad thought stupid. They looked like every single one around them, which was something he added to the list of things he needed to know more about, but still. They reached a square where a fountain stood in its center. It had the tall figure of a woman with what looked like a polar bear to her side. The woman's hand was extended and hovering above her palm was an orb of light, similar to the light inside practically everything in this town that was made of a smooth stone. It was as big as a football, and it just hovered there. The light emitted from it was enough to bathe all the buildings around it in its bright, colorful hue. Hamad took a moment to look at the woman's face, and for some reason, she seemed so familiar to him. He tried to recall where he might have seen her, but whenever he was about to remember, the memory slipped away. He tried not to think about it much and he knew that the memory would come on its own. Bilim Rondo halted when some of his guards stopped and turned to talk to him. He took them to a corner and, and this gave Muhammad time to inspect what was happening around him. The streets weren't as busy, which was good. The square was the intersection of five streets, one of them being the street they came from. The first street on Muhammad's right led to another market district. He could hear the shouts of stores owners telling bypassers what they sold and the offer they had. Pretty much like the Ataba in Egypt. The other street led to somewhat of a hangout district with coffee shops, restaurants, supermarkets and occasionally, Muhammad saw, bars with a sign requesting anyone who entered to have passed the age of 20. Which Muhammad added to the list of odd similar things between this world and his, along with the fact that Muhammad saw all of those things from that distance. Yuto gasped and pointed at the end of the hangout district, and Muhammad looked to see a huge building that awfully looked like a mall. It had a huge dome top, and if Muhammad counted correctly, it had seven floors that were bursting with orange light and not the light trapped in the stone. This gave Muhammad time to see people coming out to the district with shopping bags and sipping from the drinks they had in white disposable cups that Muhammad could have sworn were from Starbucks. He turned to Lomirando to ask him about the building, and Bill Lomirando answered before Muhammad could ask and said, Flake Mall, it has everything you might need. Muhammad nodded and looked at his friends, and then thought randomly, Do they have cinemas here? He meant to ask everyone, but he thought it stupid and not suitable for the moment. Everyone suddenly jerked. Turning to Muhammad, Muhammad tilted his head, and he heard a voice in his head saying, did I just hear his voice in my head? I think we all did, another voice answered. Wait, are we? Muhammad thought, and the whole group looked at each other in confusion. Then he heard Yasser's voice clearly in his head saying, Do you think it's something related to what this dude said? Us being what he thinks we should be? How are we not screaming right now? Yuto asked, 
and Layla replied, Because I really can't scream anymore. My throat is dry and I really think that this is the least weird thing that happened to us all day. The only dry thing here is your romantic life, Yuta replied. Nothing is as dry as your sense of humor, believe me. Layla's voice echoed in Muhammad's head and everyone burst out laughing and that had Belaranda thinking they were finally losing it. Which, technically, they were. Muhammad sent a meme thought of the frozen guy from The Shining. How are we not like him right now? Actually, Dana thought, I was about to ask the same thing. Plus, I wanted to ask about this town. It feels like I'm back home. Where are the carriages? Where are the horses? Where are the primeval vibes? Why do I feel like I'm in a compound? Or the village in CFC? All of the questions are valid, Gina thought. But the most important question right now is, where are we going to stay? I don't think Yusuf is getting any better. And please, I beg all of you, no random thoughts on whatever this is. She waved with her hands in the air. Everyone nodded, and Muhammad took a deep breath, trying to think. But he felt something then. There was a tether in his head, and he felt weird that he could feel it. Muhammad closed his eyes, and he could see a thread-like line connecting him with the others. He opened his eyes again and thought of Holzi, but none of them seemed to have seen the thought, or just ignored it. Hamad thought of exams, still, no one seemed to note it. Hamad nodded and thought of exams again, but this time, he reached for the threads and gently pushed his thought through them and to his friends. Everyone turned to him, glaring. Hamad raised his hands in surrender. Guys, do you see the threads connecting you to everyone? A thread? Mariam tilted her head. A thread how? Hamad shrugged. If I knew, I wouldn't have asked you. He stuck his tongue out. Close your eyes and try feeling the others. It should appear. I don't see anything. Leila scratched her head. But why don't you try this with Yusuf? Maybe you can feel him. Hamad looked at Leila approvingly. Actually, that's not a bad idea. I think we're getting the hang of this. Hamad looked at Yusuf and closed his eyes winning the threads he saw again. He saw one connecting him to Yusuf, and he felt himself holding it. He willed the thought in. Just a simple, hi, but nothing came back. Hamad shook his head and tried his best not to worry. Hamad wasn't as heartless as everyone thought he'd be. He just saved his emotions for situations that mattered. And right now, this situation was one of them. Hamad looked at Yusuf and tried to push another high into Yusuf's mind but there was nothing but silent void to reply to him. Barawan, the man who asked her everything, ran up to Bilimrando and gave him his phone, and Bilimrando took it. He put it to his ear and then frowned. Baruna, he said, I'm almost home, love, but... He heard shouting on the other side, and his pale complexion paled even further. Barawan looked at Bilimrando and shook his head. He looked back at Muhammad and the gang, then at Bilimrando again. He patted his shoulder and said, Good luck, sir. I'll need it, Belmrando replied. Muhammad did not know what to do to the frowning woman. When Belmrando knocked, he looked at everyone and was about to say something when the woman opened the door, a big frown on her face. Her hair was long and blonde, with yellow eyes that surveyed them with curiosity. Belmrando, I need an explanation. Now! She put a slender hand on her thin waist. Sure, love, but can we let them in? One of them need your help. Bilimrandu gestured at Yusuf and her frown turned into astonishment. Poor boy, let him in, to the living room. Muhammad thought, observant, 
hundred, and he pushed the meme into everyone's head. That earned some snickers from the others that left Belarando, yet again, confused. She rushed inside, revealing a young girl behind her. The girl seemed shy and backed away. Then her eyes locked on Belarando and jumped on him. Daddy, you're back! The girl's hair was as long as her mother's, but as white as Belarando's. The girl waved in the general direction as her dad patted her back, and they all waved back. Muhammad smiled a little. She looked adorable. Despite what everyone might think, Muhammad has always dreamed of getting married and starting a family. Before his first year at uni, he used to work in a camp where he took care of little children, and he realized then how much he wanted to have a kid. Yusuf was put on a large blue couch, and the others formed a circle around him. The first thing Muhammad noticed was how the dome ceiling looked from the inside, and how the chandelier looked intricately carved. From the bottom, it looked like a tower of circles put upside down. The first circle was, sm was smaller, and the circles got bigger as it went up. Muhammad counted 10 circles in total. On the lower circle, Muhammad saw drawings carved on it. They were small, but thankfully, the chandelier was close enough for him to see a woman standing, and next to her was a polar bear with horns coming out of his head, similar to the statue in the square's fountain. Minus the horns, of course. Muhammad looked to the next drawing to see a boy wearing what looked like a toga. His hand... Yusuf screamed, and Muhammad was suddenly aware of everything. Belmrandu rushed to the kitchen. Yuta was holding y Yusuf's left hand as Yusuf's nails dug into Yuta's right hand, and Yuta accidentally pushed the pain he was feeling into the tether, and everyone winced all at once, putting their hand on the place where Yuta was feeling his pain. Maryam was rushing after the little girl as her mother instructed her to do something. Barawan put his hand on Yusuf's forehead, eyes forming on it, and Muhammad noticed for the first time how red Yusuf was. Yasser gasped, pointing at Yusuf's throat. What is this? Muhammad, in the daze, didn't see the green spots appearing on Yusuf's swollen throat. Muhammad gagged at the scene, but Barona sighed when she saw them and sat back on the lavish chair. It was made of wood that had blue pigment applied to it. She patted Yusuf's knees and said, You should be thankful. It was not serious. And when Yuta raised a brow, and even Barawan did, she sighed. See these green spots? We call it the death. When a Bantika attacks someone, there are two outcomes of its poison. Either you resist it or die. The swollen throat is an indication because it's a stage everyone passes through when stabbed. But when the green spots appear, that means that the poison is dying. Of course, death is not avoided matter when the wound is cleaned. But I see you tried your best to clear it. Mm, though it's a sloppy work. She shook her head. Layla pressed her lips into a thin line. You see, we were in a bit of a rush running from Berberon that almost turned us into a literal toast. And at that, Muhammad laughed nervously. That woman wasn't an easy one, and he didn't want them to be on her naughty list. Well, we will be toast if you don't shut up. And that had managed a laugh from you two, a smile from Noor, and even the faintest signs of approval from Baruna at the sense of humor. That is a story that I will want to hear, but for now I have a husband to have a fight with. Belmrando, our room, now. Berthia, stay with the guests. And no sword swinging. S sword swinging? Belmrando face paled a little, and Mohammed was intrigued to know what kind of a woman Baruna was to make a brute like Belmrando this scared. You, you know? Just now. 
and I'm sure you have an interesting story to why our five-year-old daughter can summon her own sword, Bill Brando. A story I am very excited to hear. And despite his scars and missing eyes, Bill Brando looked like a child as he followed Barona to their room.